Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And operating. AtomicDarts.com. Helping you nuke the competition. Maybe. That is ironic since we just talked about Kevin Nash. He did an ID for me years ago. But he wouldn't talk to me. We'll get Brian in here. Ugh. Sneezing fit earlier. The old sneezing fit. Maybe. Where's Brian? Where's Brian Boucher? Demand to know where Brian Boucher is. Let's call him again. Brian Boucher. Boucher. Is it Boucher? We're probably not even going to get to find out. Hello, this is Brian. There's Brian. How are you, sir? It's James Lowe from iHeartRadio. How are you today? Good to talk to you, James. Yes, yes. I apologize for uh, just getting to you. We had uh, we had a guest run over, <laughs> but we've got you now. <laughs> it's, okay. uh, okay. it, it's 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 sometimes in radio. It's just like. Good lord! <laughs> no, I, I know, I know how it goes. <laughs> See, you know how things work, and I've got uh, Doctor J Izzo, the Internet Doctor, joining us. That's a trademark, by the way, Internet Doctor. I think that's awesome. It, it is. It is a trademark. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the only registered wow. trademark in the world as the Internet Doctor. Look I, at that. Yeah, there's a lot, Brian, Brian. Yeah, you're Brian. There's a story behind the government calling me on the phone by the way when i when i because you cannot trademark internet and you cannot trademark doctor but evidently nobody yeah. had tried to put them two together and i did and they gave me a oh, registered that, trademark that is genius <laughs> i don't know how genius it is man i just i think i stepped in it and it just uh, is awesome hey brian i have read so much about you and i know we need to do we probably should do his intro first so james do you want to do his intro well uh uh because I'm, I got, I got. Uh, I, yeah. have, uh, I know you, 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 you. on Brian. I'm chomping at the bit to like uh, talk to him about ICE and and <laughs> Trump suing California and and Schaff and 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 I want to talk to him about millennials and you know we had the lovely and talented Gabrielle, his wife, with us not too long ago and she's brilliant yeah. and um and and I'm sure Brian, you feel like I do with the wife I married that we married so far up we really don't understand why they made that mistake, but they, they did, and we're happy that they did make that mistake being married to somebody like that. So um, she was brilliant. <laughs> so, so there we go. All right, I'm done. Now <laughs> she's awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> now uh, now 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 Brian, you you have a lot of projects you're involved in. First of all, before we get going, uh, how do we find you on Twitter, websites, everything? Yeah, absolutely. We are at Brian Boche. We're at MillennialSolution.com. Brian Boche on Facebook. That's where I hang out the most. Jay, jump yeah, in I there, friend, my friend. I've already friended you, man. I've I've friended you. I'm following you. I did the same to Gabrielle. As a matter of fact, I noticed that when I you know decided to follow you on both of you on Instagram, you guys have no posts yet. I just want to just break that up. No, I know Gab's got posts on Instagram. Gabrielle's got posts on Instagram. I just wiped mine out. A new slate. I'm working with a, a company <laughs> to 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 get um to get my Instagram up to speed because I I haven't like Instagram seems like a waste of time. You know I don't. Dude, I don't use it. dude, have you have you read your millennial? Have you read millennials? You have this great. By the way, folks, you need to check out uh, uh, Brian's stuff. He he has got. 
some amazing things on millennials uh, when it comes to understanding millennials. The matter of fact, he, there's one called the Millennial Solution Case Study that he's done that is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I've read through it. He's also got another, and by the way, you can download these for free. And he also talks about uh, managing m- millennial, managing millennials, and how to use them in the workspace. And that's a free download as well. If you'll go to his website and do that, it, it's it's brilliant stuff. And as somebody who studies psychology of people and generations in in a number of things, it's actually really brilliant, Brian. So you need to be, you and Gabrielle, I know, uh, work together on this, but it's brilliant. It's really, I mean, yeah, thank you. If if people are not downloading these two free free pieces of material. The Millennial Solution and Managing Millennials, if you're not downloading those, you're making a huge mistake for your business and your future because I'm telling you, it's insightful. It's right on the money and everything that I have read and have studied and researched in terms of how to work with millennials is right there in one little neat package. So download it for for free right there. Uh, just just check it out because it's really, really strong stuff and I can't and I can't commend both of you enough and it's called millennialsolution.com so uh, check that ladies and gentlemen check that website out again it's millennialsolution.com and you're not going to regret those two downloads for sure so um, I, 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 I do commend you on that but I want to get to some things that you've been talking about this whole ice thing that's going on in California because you have really yeah. You have really, really been on top of this issue because what a lot of people don't know is that the the immigration folks that were sent by President Trump were sent into Northern California, and they were going to clean up somewhere around 900 or so uh, illegal, undocumented immigrants who were who have committed major felony crimes. By the way, yeah. and. What has happened here is the mayor of Oakland, I think it is, Miss um, Schaff, if I think is her name. She had yep. she got she, it got leaked to her somehow, so she goes all over media and is forewarning people about this, and of course making the job much more difficult for these law enforcement people to do their job. And of course she has no regrets, right? And even you know Jeff Sessions came out. And and he he decides that you know he he's going to hammer California and then Governor Brown you know in his pitiful I don't even know what to, I, I don't want to say what I want what's on my mind but Governor Brown comes out and says you know I don't know what you do in Washington but that's not going to happen in California and any S A D capital letters exclamation point so let's talk about this because this is I know this is near and dear to your heart. But I think people are not understanding what's going on with these ICE raids. So why don't you help our listeners understand that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. First of all, we have to understand this from a constitutional perspective. The Constitution is a document of enumerated, limited powers, meaning if the Constitution doesn't mention it, the federal government can't do it. But the federal government, the the, the Constitution does speak on the terms of immigration and immigration enforcement and all of that. So this is a federal government issue. This is not, there is no room for California to speak here and, and kind of up one-up the federal government here. They are standing in the way of federal immigration law, and that's the problem. The Oakland mayor, by the way, she should be, she should be going to jail. There, there, there's, enough, there's enough there for her to be prosecuted and sent to jail. These were not 800, you know, quote, dreamer kids that are just, you know, they came here. It wasn't their fault and all of that. No, this is 800 people that committed crimes that right. needed to be rounded up by ICE and sent back home. That's what this was. And the fact that she stood in the gap, oh, my gosh. I mean, she's got to go. She's got to go to jail. I mean, she I mean, you know, she go to jail, hang out with all of her favorite people that she likes to advocate for, you know, in MS-13. I mean, she might come back with a new tattoo. I don't know. <laughs> MS-13. We have, listen, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is where I'm speaking to you from. And we have our own issues here with MS-13. And I'm telling you, it's yeah. major. They have taken over a part of our city, and 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 we yeah. are having major major problems knowing what to deal with it. I've even talked to the state, uh, some people I know from the State Bureau of Investigation, and the Raleigh Police Department and the Sheriff's Department here locally, and they literally don't know what to do. They they're literally just trying to keep it contained to this one particular area of Raleigh, 
because they don't know what they don't know what to do without starting something that may be may grow out of control. Seriously, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think the president's right on this one. That President Trump is right on this one. You've got to hit these guys with such brute force that they don't they don't even know what's coming. Um, you've got to hit them very very hard. Uh, this is this is something that we cannot allow to grow and metastasize in our culture. I mean, what California is protecting is first of all, California wants to make this a political issue. Governor Jerry Brown wants to make this a political issue. He's like, I can't believe that you would further divide our nation. That's right. a political. He's making a legal issue a political issue. This is a legal issue. He is standing in the way of the federal government. And I, I can I, I'm 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 with the president. I'm with Sessions on this one. I think the the California Attorney General, the governor, the Oakland mayor, all of them should be facing some kind of federal prosecution on this. Because for me, a line in the sand has got to be drawn uh, for the officials that protect these criminals, and also a line needs to be drawn in the sand for the criminals themselves, especially MS-13. This is not something we can tolerate anymore. No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, isn't am I wrong, Brian, or am I just gotten too old, that when you harbor or protect a fugitive that you're guilty of something here? Oh yeah, you're on the hook. Uh, just, you're on the hook. I mean, aren't you, you, know, aren't you, you on the hook for this? The get, yeah, yeah. If you're the getaway driver in a robbery, if you, you know, hi, if you if you take somebody into your home that at first you didn't know robbed the bank, and then you find out that they robbed the bank, and you further harbor them, and you don't turn them in, you're on the hook. There's, I mean, there's there's just absolutely, really no out here. And honestly, from my perspective, I don't know why. Jeff Sessions isn't being tougher. I would like to see him being tougher. Everybody's like, well, no, if you arrest them, you make them martyrs. No, you don't. Not when you command a narrative like this president does. Put them in jail. Put them in jail. Mm. So I saw that the ALCU decided to make their statement. Did you? I, I'm assuming you saw this too, where, you know, they, well, it's their narrative of that this is about, you know, color. Right. This is about race course, and color. Right. right. This is their yeah. right. That's their narrative. I mean, that. Listen, they're going to play. They're going to play that card. I and and I hope everybody understands that this is the this is the this is the card they like to play to to justify their position because they're already trying to get themselves wedged into this. Right. The ALCC wants to be able to wedge themselves into this whole thing of going. See, this is about color. It, it has nothing to do about that. By the way. Right, and and they'll point to you know they made a false arrest on the wrong person, but that person was released, and and so they'll point to the one incident, but they are not paying to paying attention to the other thirty or so arrests of these people who were felon felons, felons using guns, weapons, felons who were molesting children, for crying out loud, yes. and we are protecting. I don't get it, Brian. What, 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 why are we trying to protect these people? I don't, first of all, it's not a race issue. Because when it comes to being safe and secure in your city, in your town, in your home, in your school, in the streets, that is not a race issue. It's not a race issue. It might be a race issue for people like Rahm Emanuel, who doesn't effectively protect black neighborhoods, but that's a different story. Right. This is not a race issue. Uh, this is about being safe. This is about being secure. This is about being, you know, going through your everyday life and being able to do that without threat of personal and physical harm by people who should not be here in the first place. Not a race issue whatsoever. Okay, so help me understand and help the listeners understand. Oakland has Mayor Schaff. I think that's how you pronounce her name, Mayor Schaff. Says she says Oakland has a legal right to be a sanctuary city. When did we when did we start sanctuary cities in this country? We've been doing that for as long as liberals have made up rights since the day they started making up rights. There is no legal right to be a sanctuary city. Now, if you were your own country, if you were your own nation state, you can do whatever the heck you want. But that's not the case here. You know, California is a part of the United States, whether they like it or not. It's, well, I can't use the word, but California has really turned into what Donald Trump called some African nations. But uh, right. it, it, it's an absolute mess, 50, you know, worse in the nation in terms of livability and taxes, et cetera. But there is no right here. 
you know, this is a really a false claim of a legal right by the mayor who, you know, seems really disconnected with reality. But these folks are all part of the agenda to essentially turn undocumented folks into Democratic voters by getting them here, promising them a future, and handing out all kinds of goodies, you know, to make sure that, you know, California, if, if California is able to win on this front, they are, they, they secure their ability to essentially um, decide who becomes president in this nation, because that, that level of folks in this country, with them promising all those goodies, it's an absolute mess. Yeah, it is. A, it, it, I mean, it, it is a mess. Okay, so okay, so let's 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 be fair here, because I want to be fair, Brian. Okay, because I, I believe yeah. in being fair, and and unbiased as much as I possibly can. Because Mayor Schaff, I've been I I've got to be fair to her because she's not alone. San Francisco Mayor Mark Farrell released a statement saying that yeah. the city won't cover as the administration pursues their political plan of haphazardly punishing sanctuary cities. So I have been unfair to Mayor Schaff. You are not alone in believing that you have a sanctuary city. Clearly, San Francisco Mayor Mark Farrell, and I and I need to be fair, right? I mean, that's being fair. I need to be fair to her that she is not alone because yes. Mark Farrell feels that he's got a sanctuary city in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay, so, I, I mean, right, because I want to be unbiased. Okay, I'm trying to be desperately yes. be unbiased here. So, okay, yes. Mark Farrell has joined in this crowd, and I, I find it interesting. He makes that statement, and then he says, we stand with our hardworking, law-abiding immigrant neighbors, and we are unified in our response to the divisive rhetoric of this president. Yeah, miserable idiots love company. They really, really do, right? They, they, they've got, they really, really do. They've got to, they, they, there they go again, you know, twisting the language. And I have to say, you got to give it to the left. You got to give it to the left in the fact that they always figure out how to command the language better than conservatives. And we as conservatives, dumb enough, just adopt what they say. We adopt the dreamer statement. We use the term assault rifle, even though those, that's not really a thing. You know, we use gun control when we should be talking about security. I have to give it to them. They're really good with the language. But they're, like I said, there's just no right here. These folks honestly are operating in their public offices against their oath, against their own state constitution, and against the federal constitution. There should be consequences for this. And uh, I, I, I think the Trump administration is generally doing a great job, but I would like to see them come down harder. Okay. Okay. So I want to give an example for our listeners and to I know you've you read this, but so and here's a case in San Francisco, the undocumented immigrant shooter, Jose Inez Garcia Zarate, had previously been released from San Francisco, San Francisco County Jail under the city's sanctuary ordinance. Released yeah. immigrant shooter, right? Even though the yeah. immigration officers asked that he be turned over for. The, for a sixth, de sixth, not five, not four, sixth deportation. What is going yeah. on? What's going on here, well, Brian? First, <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. It, it, it's wrong. Well, we know it's wrong. That's the obvious conclusion. But when it comes to, well, let's, let's talk about the word ordinance for a second. Ordinances can't even supersede and overstep state law, much less federal law. You know, so you've got an ordinance here that the, that, the, that the court is essentially pointing to, or the officials are essentially pointing to, where they're using this as a justification. But honestly, you know, municipal ordinances can't overstep state law, and they can't even overstep federal law. So once again, we're at a very flawed legal circumstance here. But this is not surprising. These, this is the same crowd of folks that runs the Supreme Court asking us to adjust the definitions of everything under the sun and, you know, you know, create rights where there aren't rights and privileges where there aren't privileges. We shouldn't be surprised here. We're essentially, here's what California has become. California has become a lawless state with no borders, putting its citizens in danger. That's, that's the basic conclusion. And honestly, if you live there and you still live there, I feel, I feel sorry for you, uh, but you should probably leave because the taxes are insane too. There's not really much of a compelling reason to stay except for the weather. Right. I know. I, I agree with you. And I, I don't think people, Brian, I know you know this, but I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to educate our listeners here a little bit. What the, what the listeners yeah. don't know is that in January, Governor Jerry Brown signed Bill SB 54, which went into effect in January, which <laughs> is a statewide, wait for this, folks, sanctuary law. 
So basically, yep. they had so the governor SB fifty four is a sanctuary law where basically what Brian was saying earlier has opened up the floodgates for every criminal from Central America yep. to Mexico to come in. And matter of fact, yep. if you live in another part of this country, they they're basically begging for every criminal, undocumented, illegal criminal to come to their state. That's what SB 54 yes. is. Yes. Am I, am I, exactly. am I, have, I, have, I have I interpreted it's, that wrong? Yeah, it's a homing beacon. It, it's like, hey, we're open for business. But even worse than that, what this state has implemented is, 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 is legislation that puts businesses in a precarious position where the state law is different from the federal law and businesses in California have to decide whether they're going to comply with federal or state law and potentially face state punishment for helping out immigration services from doing their job. This is a, first of all, there is usually, right, a, a kind of a consensus among citizens that we take care of our communities, that we report crime when we see crime. If we see our neighbor's car get broken into, we call the cops and hopefully they arrive in time. And what, what California has done to businesses is essentially tied their hands and said, don't you dare, don't you dare report illegal immigrants to the federal government or we're going to get you in trouble. I mean, for me, well, that's, you know, this sanctuary policy is one way to already violate the rights of your citizens and violate your duty. But this really just, this just takes it up a notch. It, it really does. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a small business owner here in North Carolina, and my wife yeah. and I own a small business. We own a real estate company, and, of course, I have my business speaking business, and I write books, and, and James graciously lets me talk on his radio show. But, yeah. uh, but, but I mean... I can't get past when you have declared as the governor of your state that we are a sanctuary state. I can't get past every criminal from New York to Miami and every state in between rushing to California and then me as a biz, small business owner going, am, am I going to be safe here? Can, can I yeah. even be safe in this state? I mean, can I even raise kids? I mean, right? I mean, it's, it's a legitimate question. Uh, it's a very legitimate question. I mean, it's the responsibility of the state to protect its citizens from crime, and usually you do that through a deterrent of some sort, whether it's jail, prison, death penalty in the case of murder and other things. You know, you usually do that through deterrence, but we've essentially, you know, the state of California has essentially encouraged criminal, criminals to show up. To show up. I mean, it's, it's more of a paradise for criminals than it is for the citizens of the state. And here's the thing. Honestly, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's not going to get better until it gets worse because that's what it's going to take for the citizens of California to get mad enough when they realize that this is now in their backyards. There's a famous quote that I, I, I remember from George Will. There's nothing better for... Uh, American conservatism than long periods of unfettered liberalism, but I'm not sure that period is yet over for California. So it's going to get worse before it gets better, but eventually the citizens are going to get sick and tired of it. Well, I, you know, President Trump has said that, you know, he's threatening to remove ICE, and he said if, if he does it, he gives them two months to beg us to come back. Oh, but, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, because I think that's exactly I think that's exactly the issue. I, I, I don't have a reason why you would be living in California right now if you were a sanctuary state for every criminal in the country and other countries as well. I, I don't yeah. I don't I don't get it. I just it's, it's hard. I, I It's hard for me. I, I know people people are focused on DACA and and and, and dreamers and, and all these. I, listen. Right. I am not against. I am absolutely for people who have legally come to this country, have done their due diligence and want to be part of this country and be the fabric of this country that we live in. As my grandparents did and great grandparents did when they came over to this country, they came over, they went through the process. They went through due process to become citizens of the United States of America so that they were not illegal aliens. And it was very hard for them to do coming through Ellis Island. I, I have no problem with people who come across 
borders and they do all that they have to do. Matter of fact, I welcome them with open arms. You know what? Come join us. We're happy to have you here. And I am the first one to open up my hand to regardless of where you come from to say, hey, let me help you. But folks, we have got to separate this out because we're not paying attention that what's happening is we are allowing the tail to wag the dog here. We are literally saying we want criminals and we don't want good people. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And our immigration system needs to stay the way that you suggested. I mean, look, let's just, I mean, if we just level, if we level with millennials here for a second, all of us remember applying to college, right? We wanted to get it to great institutions, top tier institutions. But what does that take? It means getting past the grade point average. It means getting past the, you know, the, the SAT and all of those, you know, scores to, to hit those benchmarks to earn your right to go to that institution and receive that education. Uh, you know, this America should be something to aspire to. We really are the greatest nation in the world in terms of innovation and opportunity and freedom. And, and honestly, it's kind of like getting into college. This is a place that those from around the world, if you want to come here, we want you to aspire to it because we want to continue to innovate, continue to be the best in the world, and continue to be the beacon of liberty that we've always been. But we cannot do that when we encourage criminals to be here more than we encourage doctors, lawyers, engineers, those with powerful, leverageable trades. That's what we should be encouraging, and that's what California is failing so badly on. Uh, I, I, I just can't imagine it. So let's talk about the millennials for a second here. I want to I move to that because, you know, you are, you and Gabrielle, I don't know if I can call her Gabby or not, but, but you and Gabrielle are like the king and queen of millennials and talking about what millennials do and what they are and what they want and what they're, how they should be marketed to, how they should be managed. I mean, you guys are the king. How are the millennials responding to this? Because, you know, they're pretty silent. I mean, you know, as millennials go, when it comes to these type of issues, I mean, you're pretty vocal, brother. All right? I mean, you're yeah. really, you're yeah. really, really vocal by comparison because in my research, millennials have a tendency to sit back and kind of watch a lot. Yeah. They're, they're Especially absorbing. in this area. I mean, they're not... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're as young as 18, as old as 36. You know, a lot of those that are closer to the high school age, they're all participating in these national walkouts related to, you know, guns and school violence. And what really we should be talking about is the need for heightened school security. We're not talking about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably a little bit more outspoken than most, and so is Gabrielle. Uh, but what, what's interesting is that among millennials, what's surprising is that they care a lot about the free market. They love the free market. They like the word socialism because they think it means something good and fluffy inside, but it's not. If you look at uh, millennials' preferences when it comes to socialism versus capitalism, they pick socialism. But if you look at the comparison between free market and government control of resources, they pick the free market every time. It's an un- it's a misunderstanding in, in definition and, and what it really means. But millennials care deeply about justice as well. But their view of justice is more along the lines of fairness. And, and a free market doesn't necessarily mean everything's fair, but it does mean, you know, equal, equal protection under the law. And, and I think if you, you have to, when it comes to millennials, especially on these issues, you have to communicate with them in the way they want to be communicated with. And millennials also want to be a part of a solution, not, not spoken down to as if they don't understand something. Uh, so when it comes to these immigration issues, you've got to speak of it in terms of, you know, something that they can touch and feel. And I think one, a great example that we just talked about was getting into college. America right. is one of the best places in the world to live, but I believe it's something that should be earned. Well, yeah, and, and I wonder, do, do millennials, you know, because there's a lot of old people, right? And I, I don't consider myself yeah. one of them, even though I'm older. I. There's a lot of old people, curmudgeons, I like to refer to them, and as I referred to them in my book, there's, we have curmudgeons who have an opinion that millenni- all millennials just feel entitled, right? Yeah. And, and I don't, I, that's not been my experience, by the way, as I, as I dig into millennials and work with them in, in a variety of different situations. I never got the sense that they felt entitled. I, I, I don't get that feeling. I get the sense... I get the sense that they want to be treated as an equal. 
I get the sense that they, I agree with you, they don't want to be talked down to like I'm a naive puppy. Yes, they don't have yeah. some of the experience and skills that maybe someone else has, but they offer some other things. Now, I do find them to be confused, and I think you, you, just, you just shed light on this for some of the older listeners who are listening, is that they're kind of confused. I, I don't think they really do understand what socialism really is. I think they like the I think they like the sound of it. I just don't think they think through how that really looks because you can't have capitalism and socialism <laughs> and you know because free market is basically capitalism. Yeah. So I, I like capitalism, but I like socialism. That it's a very confusing thing. And I'm trying to figure out where the disconnect is for the millennials are in that piece. Famous quote, we often criticize the next generation as if we had nothing to do with creating them. Right. And I think that's oftentimes the mistake we make if we're Xers and Boomers and that we forget that we were the wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm a millennial, but Xers right. and Boomers speaking for them, you, you were the ones that raised them, right? You either right. taught them or didn't teach them the concepts. Now, that, this isn't like a Boomer Xer bash fest here, but what no. I'm saying is this helps us create a mutual understanding and that Millennials do like the essence of free market and freedom and the ability to innovate. I mean, you can go online and essentially create a business from the ground up for free when it comes to what millennials can do with, with technology these days. Right. And uh, when it comes to socialism, millennials like the sound of socialism because it sounds like community, because mm -hmm. millennials are community-driven and collaborative. That's why they like socialism. That's why they like it, because it feels good, sounds good, something that we should all do together. And right. it doesn't work to take pictures or even reference back to the Cold War or Russia or even, you know, present-day Venezuela because they've never felt it. They've never touched right. it. It's not real to them, right? right? So you have to communicate with them in ways that they understand in their common language and, and help them get there, right, as a part of the conversation instead of what happens to millennials oftentimes, despite many of them being as old as 36, is that millennials, they oftentimes get sat at the uh, – kitty table at Thanksgiving and say, y'all sit over here, the adults are going to sit over here. This isn't working to build bridges with the next generation. I No, I, and listen, I, listen I, cannot, I cannot agree with everything. That, I, I can't agree more with everything that you said because I, I agree. We, we raised them, all right? I mean, we gave them what values, whatever values your kids have, we've raised them with that values, right or wrong. I'm just yeah. sorry. That's that's the reality. The reality is my, my dad did the same thing to me. His dad did the same thing to him. And so, I, I mean, I think to blame, <laughs> I think it's kind of absurd if you're older, blaming a younger generation that you raised. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's just absurd to me that we do that because it's, just, look, you raised them, right? I mean, you're getting what you raised and now you're complaining about what you raised, and of course we individualize everything, right? Psychologically, and we go, well, not my kid, right? Not my kid, yeah, right. And if yeah. you ask everybody, it's not my kid, but then you look at it and you go, well, it's everybody's kid. In reality, we we did yeah. this to them, and that's and yeah. I think somebody, that's a, yep. Go ahead. Somebody's not taking responsibility here. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? No, you're yeah. right. No, it's not me. It wasn't me. No, like you might have been. Yeah, you're no, you, and you're right. That's why. That's why I, you know, when I hear you, and I hope the listeners are really listening to you, especially the older listeners, that they're really paying attention to you because I think because I said this about Gabrielle when she was on, you know, she would. You guys are so spot on about how we are looking at this 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 generation. And by the way, folks, if you if you read some of Plato's early writings he literally talks about this generation is long-haired and they don't pay attention and they think they should get everything they don't work for anything plato was saying this mm. stuff right early yeah. on so this this is not something this is not something new that we have said it's been said about my generation it's been said about generations before me and and it will continue to be said about generations after me and after you even brian that there's going to be complaints about it and it's just because I think, as I said to Gabrielle, I think we have forgotten what we were. And we didn't have the technology that, you know, you you have available to you to do things that we were doing. It's just that nobody saw it. Yeah. Because we, we were doing we were doing exactly the same things, but we did not have a handheld device to show pictures of it. Yeah. That, that's yeah, true. when it comes 
It is the truth. And when it comes to, um, you know, the criticism of millennials or the next generation, it, it usually comes from a place of either misunderstanding or insecurity. Uh, I, honestly, there's a very common denominator there. It's when you criticize someone, oftentimes it comes personally from a place of misunderstanding or insecurity. And what this is going to take, if we're going to heal as a nation politically, come together from the left and right in all kinds of different directions around some common core principles of freedom and, uh, you know, freedom of the mind, etc. If we're going to do that, we're going to have to build bridges of communication and mutual understanding. And instead of looking for the 98% of another person that, that we feel so passionately that they're wrong about, we should be looking for that 1% of overlap where we can build a bridge over. And, and that's the most difficult thing to do, isn't it? I mean, I think yeah. what I watched at what I watched after the on social media after the 2016 election, what I watched on social media was literally people defriending or unfriending people because of how they voted. I literally yeah. watched it. I literally had people say, "I got rid of the last Republican," right? And and I and I chastised people on Facebook saying, "You know, and you know, you you, you literally got rid of people." that are good people because of a vote. Because, do, yeah. you hear, do you hear yourselves? I no longer can be friends with you because of a vote, because of yeah. an opinion. We've made it so, we've, yeah, we've made it so personal. I, I literally uh, was, was at an event where the person who, this woman who catered the event, her own son, her own flesh and blood, since the election of Donald Trump, has not talked to his own mother because of differences in politics. Yeah. Yeah, no, th th this is, I, people think I make this stuff up. You know, I mean, I've been on Tipping Point with Liz Wheeler and, and talked about social yeah. media and politics and that type of thing. People think I'm making this stuff up when I say literally family members are no longer talking to people in their own immediate family because of a vote. Yeah. A vote. And that includes, that includes all the way up to celebrities like Stephen... Baldwin and uh, you know the guy, you know well, I just blanked on his his first name, but it, Alex Baldwin, the guy that's been yeah. doing the Trump impersonation. Yeah. Word on the street is they're not even talking, and uh, I don't think Alex not even coming home for for Thanksgiving. Right? No, they, they, no, you're right. No, it's, it's exactly what's been going on. I mean, how shallow, how shallow have we become? And by the way, people want. Okay, now you think now, ladies and gentlemen, you're thinking that I'm talking about. A younger generation. No, I'm talking about you old, crusty people. You're the ones who are absolutely defriending and unfriending and ostracizing people because of the way they voted. And you you want to sit there and you complain about a younger generation, and I'm just speaking to them, you're complaining about a younger generation, but you're the people, and I'm just telling you, you're the people who are acting like children in a playground. Because you didn't get things your way, and now you're going to hate that person because of a vote. And you're missing an entire generation of people. You're missing an entire person. You focused on the 1%, and, in, and you've managed to an exception, and you've missed maybe you know 3% of that person that is absolutely awesome, that can be of help to you. I, I don't get it. You're, you're right. And when it comes to conservatives... When it comes to conservatives, I think, um, you know, they feel like they're circling in the victory lap right now, and the, and the president's doing a good job, but Republicans in Congress, Senate, House, you name it, anybody who's leading that part of the movement, especially the establishment, you know, they can sit here and complain about this generation all they want. And, by the way, hoping they show, they, that millennials don't show up at the polls is no longer a, a strategy anymore. Yeah. In 2018 and 2020, you better bank on the fact that millennials are going to show up to the polls. And if you look at everything from Facebook analytics to everything else, millennials are supporting liberal, socialist, democratic causes over conservative ones two to one. Two to one. That's, that's, those are the circumstances right now. So you can sit here, call them snowflakes, call them whatever you want, but it's not really doing you any good to build a bridge. I, I think this, this, this labeling you know, concept of like, you're a snowflake, you're a loser, you went to UC Berkeley, this is not helping, right? Have no. you ever made men's with somebody that you at first decided to punch them in the face? No, Never. it doesn't work that way. You don't, <laughs> I'm not gonna sit across from the table that just knocked me in the jaw. I'm not doing it. And that's what we're right. doing with our language. And it's not really 
helping the situation. And, you know, what Trump's election represented in 2016 was the, the ability to set back the clock on liberal progressivism 40 to 50 years. But this right. victory is going to be short-lived if we don't learn how to communicate amongst the generations. I, I agree. Matter of fact, just seven hours ago, you wrote a Facebook post. You see, you don't think I'm reading, do you, Brian? I'm reading. I'm reading. Oh, you. uh-oh. Seven, so seven hours ago, Brian posted truth. If Republicans lose in 2018, it will be their fault, not the fault of millennials. Snowflakes or the Democrats, I will be there. It will be theirs to own. Yep. By and large, many Republicans, not including the president, are, one, complacent, two, boring, three, lazy, four, out of touch, five, drowning in talk, six, lacking solutions, seven, lacking vision, eight, lacking empathy, nine, taking power for granted, and ten, last one, in need of a makeover, a juice fast and tailored clothing. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. But I think you're right. I think, you, I think you're right. I think, you know, I, I think what kind of attracted even Democrats to Trump, I, and I said this before, I, the, the reason why I think even Democrats were attracted to Trump, especially younger Democrats, was because he was not part of the establishment. Yeah. And I, I think I think that has a great appeal to to many millennials. I, I might be wrong there, but at least this is what my sense is that that they they hate the two party system, and they they hate they people who are part of this this established you know old fogies type of uh, politics. They want something fresh. They want something new. They want something relational. Uh, yes, I said the word relational. Yes, they are still relational people. It's just that they relate in a different yes. way, and yeah. they they want they want somebody who gets him. I need somebody that gets me and understands me and can talk my language in my way. And by the way, as as we, I talked in the Internet Doctor Hour uh, before the show earlier today, you know, Doctor Ryan Sherman said the reason why Trump won is because he better and more effectively communicated through social media values that resonated with more people than Hillary did. That's just a fact. That's it. That's a fact. And that's why he's making his campaign manager his former digital director. It's, it's a genius move, very smart move. And I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, I, I, I think the president's fantastic for millennials, right? He's he's free market guy, less taxes, lower regulation, 67% of millennials say they want to start their own business one day. They're incredible in terms of entrepreneurial spirit. But I think that the president has a huge opportunity. Being a business owner himself and someone who built uh, a multi-billion dollar corporation from a million dollars, you know, find me somebody who's done that, right? right. You know, has, has got an amazing entrepreneur story that if it was told right in a relational fashion, in an authentic right. fashion, in an unplugged fashion, that he right. could connect with millennials really, really well. I agree, I agree with you. I, I, I think he is missing an opportunity here. I think that he has an opportunity to, you know, let, let, the, let the millennials know, you know what, you, because, listen, every millennial that I have seen that is, that is out there and is on social media and I follow all of social media, Brian, am I wrong when I say this? Literally, they use social media to their advantage to create their own entrepreneurial thing because they don't want to work for anybody. They want to work for themselves. Am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, you know, millennials, if Xers are the ones who ushered in the concept of work-life balance, millennials just want to take it to the next level. You know, these are the folks that want totally flexible work schedules, you know, the ability to work from home and in the office as they choose. There are some companies that are even testing out giving you complete domain and, and decision-making power over how much vacation you take each year. Funny thing is, is that actually reduces the amount of vacation employees take. Uh, that might be a surprise to some of you out there. Uh, but millennials, they do want that freedom. They do want that ability. They do want the ability to start and create a business online on their own terms. Yeah, I, I see it all the time. You know, I'm watching these young people create you know, for themselves, these little businesses on Instagram or Facebook or even through Twitter and, and some other online places, I watch them Uberize things. I call it Uberization, right? Where they yep. are taking the idea and then they Uberize it. And I'm watching these, I'm watching these millennials do this thing. I'm like, oh, good for you. Because, you know, we always talk about in this country, we've talked about for years, 
that the small business is the backbone of this country. And if these young millennial entrepreneurs will keep pushing themselves like they are doing to create and keep going and keep trying, they've just continued on what we have started since you know before World War II, and that is that they're still going to be at the very heart and backbone of this country of being the small business entrepreneur person who is creating something amazing without without government subsidy. And I think I think it's an amazing thing. And I don't think we give the millennials enough credit because I don't think we first of all, I don't think many people want to see what they're doing on social media, but they don't understand how good they are at being able to create something out of nothing. And it's been very, very cool to watch. It is it's incredible to watch. This is an incredible generation when it comes to entrepreneurship. And the funny thing is it they're not greedy. Millennials are not greedy. I mean, there's 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 bad eggs in every every batch, sure. right? But the, millennials are not greedy. They care very much about giving back. In fact, if you're a company that doesn't have a corporate social responsibility plan, if you don't give back to your community or give back to the you know you know efforts to end poverty worldwide, and the millennials in your company don't get to participate in that, you might want to change that because they might be considering leaving for a company that does do that and they might even do it for less money um millennials care about people they care about helping people and they want to do it on their own terms and i think that's what conservatives are missing here conservatives the republican party they're the party of big ideas they're the party of business they're the party of entrepreneurship they're the party of low regulation and making it easy to do those things but Republicans have failed to communicate the fact that they are the party for millennials when it comes to being entrepreneurs. They've used the wrong language, and they haven't even sought the opportunity to connect with millennials there. I I, could, I agree. I, again, Brian, I, I'm trying to find something to de- disagree with you on, and I can't. And And because you're absolutely right, because here you have a number of Republican businessmen and women who could be reaching down and supporting this movement instead that they're silent they're not doing you know what they're doing they're fighting other battles rather than literally reaching down and saying hey how can we help you grow your idea how can we help you with your business what can we do to you know help you or educate you or give you something that can help you sustain yourself on your own because we want you to grow on your own we want you to have your own business we want you to be free of having to work for somebody. We want you to do it on your own. And I don't understand why they keep missing that piece. They're so focused on political crap, and I'm sorry, but they're so plo- focused on political crap, we're, we're, we're spending more time theorizing about fishing rather than teaching the millennials how to fish. And I think we need to no, do thank that. You. Yeah, thank you for saying that, because you know, I'm a business owner. I've been a part of some explosive growth uh, periods at uh, quite a few companies now that I've worked at, and now Gabrielle run our our own um, rapidly expanding millennial strategy firm. And I will tell you that this is such a missed opportunity. Most politicians, especially those that have never run or owned a business or started a business, hang out in theory land way too much. Many of them who are conservative, and look, I'm a constitutional guy. That's the cornerstone of my political uh, beliefs. But, you know, a lot of them, a lot of us look like, you know, the guy playing the violin on the Titanic while it's sinking because (laughs) when every every election comes around, we're throwing a touchdown when we should be throwing for a first down. Just five yards, just ten yards. Can we make... Can we make a forward advance here? Can we change our language here? Can we solve this problem differently? Can we talk about school security and hardening our schools instead of giving the liberals the language and calling it gun control and assault rifles? What kind of advance can we practically make down the field? That's where Republicans fail every single time. I agree. I I, I agree with you. I, 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 I think there is this amazing opportunity with the implosion of the Democratic Party right now not even sure, I mean, that's as corrupt as can be. I mean, we discovered that the Democratic National Committee was absolutely, totally corrupt. And 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 it's imploding. They don't know which direction they want to go. They don't know who who they should focus on. You know, and, and so the Republicans have this amazing opportunity, in my opinion, to be able to really do some positive things, and they're not doing it. And they're not doing it. Yeah. 
They're not doing it at all. They're not doing it at all. Um, you know, here's, here's the advantage that Republicans have. Millennials like the free market. They like doing well by doing good for their communities. They have the highest mistrust of big government than uh, any previous generation, yet they support socialism because they misunderstand the definition. On right. multiple principal verticals and fronts, Republicans have the winning advantage. They've got a language problem, and they've got a strategy problem. And every time that I meet uh, a politician or a candidate for office, um, good or bad, I always right. say the same thing, and they never get it. The opportunity and the winning playbook, if you will, is sitting right, right in front of our laps. I, I, uh, Brian, amen, brother. You're preaching to it. You're preaching to the choir here because I, I, I see it. I see it. It's frustrating to me because they're 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 just not doing what they need to do, and I think it's going to only happen um, one person at a time. James, where are we at for time? I I've not even let you talk. <laughs> hey, that's fine. You have uh, you have uh, done an extraordinary job here today with Brian. Uh, Brian, before we let you go, my friend, how do we get a hold of you online and uh, all that different stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to hang out with executives and leaders, for-profit, non-profit, political organizations, and help them understand and engage this next generation. Like I said, we're, we're holding the playbook. We've got it. We just need to change our language, change our strategy in a really sharp, entrepreneurial way, because what Trump represented was the ability to set back the clock on dangerous principles in terms of liberal progressive principles. Uh, and we have to keep that momentum moving forward if we want to have the next generation of freedom. Well, I'll tell you, it is a uh, fantastic, fantastic interview. I appreciate you making time for us today. Yeah. And before we go, before he yes. goes here, I just want to remind people, check out MillennialSolution.com. And um, what, do, I, do I say, do I dare say war flames to a Liberty University graduate? Yeah, I did. I did. I uh, I went to Liberty <laughs> for law school. Yeah, do, do I dare say war flames? Can I say that? Can I? I don't know if that's I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but I just did it. Uh, listen, uh, you, folks, I'm just telling you, please check out Brian Boucher's website, uh, MillennialSolution.com. Him and Gabrielle are doing an amazing work and an amazing job. They are they are not waiting for older folks to reach down they're trying to reach up and across and i think that's the beauty of their message and i think that's the beautiful thing that they're doing they are responsible young amazing young adults who as as older people we should be looking up to not looking down to because they're our future and uh, we should be applauding them encouraging them lifting them up and holding them up because uh, brian's leading brian and gabrielle are leading the charge and it's awesome to see a husband and wife young husband and wife like the two of you do what you do together and in such a beautiful and inspiring way and as somebody who is probably older than your parents maybe not um i i commend you and i admire both of you very much for what you are both doing because it's awesome with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.